Well, good morning. Want to dismiss any elementary age kids who are still in the room. Our middle and high school kids will be sticking with us this morning. As they are leaving, it's my opportunity to also stick with our theme of wishing all of our moms a happy Mother's Day. Uh, we were out at the ballpark yesterday with my son to celebrate my mom. My dad and my mom came in between games, uh, had a little uh, picnic. That's where my son is right now. He's playing a ball game, and I chose not to look before coming up here because they were losing at 9 o'clock, and I didn't want to be upset before I started preaching here at, at well, not 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock. So anyways, uh, but happy Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, I purchased a Mother's Day gift for my mom for the very first time all by myself since being married. Yes, round of applause. Yes, thank you. I feel, I feel very good about myself. And, uh, and know this, that I, I bought my, my mom a pair of purple Crocs with, with what are they called, Ellie? Huh? Gibbets. They're like charms that you put in the little holes. And then I bought myself a pair. And I have a charm on mine too. And Miriam hates it, which is part of the fun. Well, we're celebrating mothers today and it's already kind of been alluded to in Miriam's prayer and Kimberly's nice uh, moment there uh, uh, receiving the offering that we're also aware that this can be a difficult time for some moms, but also joyous for, for, for others. And, and I'm mindful of this because Miriam lost her mother uh, many, many years ago. And so we're also always mindful of what that experience is for her. And we're, we're also um, thinking about a, a dear friend of ours in our family, uh, Rachel Moorhead, who lost her, her mother earlier this year. And so we're just aware that uh, we're both excited to celebrate our moms, but it also um, brings a sense of tension for some and mixed emotions for others. And so I just want to, if you're in that space where this might also be a little bit difficult, I want to offer you these simple words that Jesus offers us. Peace be with you. That in times that are hard for us, sometimes the peace of Christ is the only thing uh, that, that we have to bring us comfort and point us to a future hope. Well, today is our final message in a series that we are calling Meeting the Risen Christ, this after Easter season where we are exploring these different encounters in Scripture post-resurrection that Jesus has either with individuals or groups. And as a part of this, we've had someone come up and share a testimony because anytime you have an encounter of Christ, you now have a story of Christ. And so I want to invite uh, Billy Pinkston up. He's going to share uh, a portion of his faith story and testimony. Come on up, Billy. Perfect. Thank you, Joe. About a month ago, I attended our wonderful community evening meeting, our community group where others shared stories of their personal experience of coming to faith with Christ. This was following Pam's first sermon after Easter when the season of discussing meeting the risen Christ had started. 
in my usual form at our community group, I was quiet and listened carefully to the experiences that were being shared. I didn't share anything that night. It's not that I didn't have something to share, but I felt like my experiences were not on the same scale as those being shared. It's also more of my go-to mode in most groups to be quiet and absorb all the comments and stories. So wouldn't you know that two days later, I received a text from Pam asking me to find her at church that Sunday because she had a question for me. I found Pam before church that Sunday and she mentioned our current sermon series and added that not everyone has a traditional testimony or a coming to faith event. She continued, others have a moment or personal anecdote where the presence of Christ is felt. Pam then asked if I'd be willing to share such a moment for an upcoming Sunday. Pam approached me about this, not because she knew my story or any anecdote or story I might tell, but rather because she knew my parents from her years at Trinity Presbyterian. She assumed I was someone who probably grew up in the church and might have a different perspective or moment to share. For a little background, I did grow up in the Presbyterian Church. I was baptized at First Presbyterian in Midtown. I went to Sunday school and church with my family. When I was in elementary school, I got a new suit and tie every Easter to wear to church, and not just on Easter, but every Sunday. And then stealing from NBC's Meet the Press slogan, if it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press, our unstated routine was, if it's Sunday, it's Sunday school and church. Well, maybe not in the summer months, but that's for another story. My point of sharing that is that somehow saying a personal prayer at night has always been with me. Starting at a very young age, prayer got me through my school years, relationships, and still today with marriage, work, raising children, life. I need prayer to offload my fears, issues, and problems. This time last year, my prayer always included an ask of God to keep his arms around my mother and let her feel love and comfort. My mother had dementia and I struggled with how to respond to help her and respond to her. I needed help and asking God to let her feel his comfort and love helped me. And just a quick aside, it's not lost on me that I happen to be sharing this on Mother's Day. When my mother entered hospice care late last summer, it was hard to tell what she knew or even if we were doing the right thing. I was with her for her last breath. I have many Christ moments to share from that experience, but the one I'll share today happened a few days, three days after my mother died. I also shared this and other stories during my mother's memorial service. My mother died on September 28th, but Joy and I continued with our previous plans to go visit our son Grant up at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire on the 30th of September. It was a wonderful weekend. The highlight was seeing and experiencing the places that mean so much to Grant, especially now that he's a senior. Grant wanted Joy and me to go with him to dinner 
at the Musalak Ravine Lodge, which is a Dartmouth-owned property about an hour north of Hanover. The lodge is run by the Dartmouth Outing Club, which is very meaningful to Grant. It was a beautiful drive up from Hanover in the upper valley to the White Mountains. The tree colors were spectacular as we gained elevation. The lodge provides a family-style dinner, which given it was parents' weekend, was sold out. There were probably 80-ish people there, mostly college students and parents, and we're talking the real outdoorsy ones too. At the conclusion of the dinner each night, the lodge staff always provides some form of entertainment. You know what the entertainment was that night for an audience of college students and parents? A reading of the children's book, Make Way for Ducklings, my mother's favorite children's book, a story about family, protection, love, and care. I tried to hide my tears. I'm sure those around us were wondering why an old man could have tears during a reading of Make Way for Ducklings. As Julia said afterwards, mom was saying she's okay now. An answer to my prayers. Amen. Thank you, Billy. And uh, I didn't know anything of what he was sharing. That's kind of been the theme as those of us who have been preaching. And so all of a sudden I'm like pushing back a tear that's coming out. So thank you, Billy. I, I appreciate that. Well, as I mentioned, today's our final message in these resurrection encounters. And so I'd like to pick up on from uh, John's Gospel, uh, the 20th chapter, starting at verse 24. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands or put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And this is where Thomas receives the unfortunate nickname of Doubting Thomas, something that has followed him ever since. Thomas is a practical, realistic person who relies on facts. At least that's what I read in him, and I presume that he is like many of us. He is maybe a natural-born skeptic, and he demands of his friends, you're talking craziness. If this is true, give me some proof. This reminds me of a, a quote from the book, Letters from a Skeptic. If God wants me so bad, why does he make believing, me, believing in him so darn impossible? It seems to me that an all-powerful God could do a much better job convincing people of his existence. Heck, just right in the sky, nice and big. Here's your proof, Ed. Believe in me. Have you ever had one of those moments where struggling with doubt, struggling to, to believe in some aspect of the character of God or, or the story of Christianity where you're just like, this doesn't make sense, where you too have found yourself as a skeptic with doubts. And if you have, then welcome, because I think we're in a room full of people just like you. Back to verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I like that little detail that the doors were locked. It implied that Jesus just kind of showed up, which is kind of weird, or maybe he had another entrance, I don't know. But it also says that a week had gone by, and we can presume that Jesus had no knowledge of the interaction that Thomas had with his disciple buddies about saying, hey, I need some proof. And so here Jesus, right from the beginning, he says this, Thomas, uh, he says, peace be with you, knowing Thomas's condition, knowing where Thomas was skeptical, skeptical and, and doubting. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, he now knows this is Jesus and he acknowledges and claims Jesus's lordship in his life. Jesus then told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And I don't, and I'm, I want to read just the very final verse in this passage, because I think it's wonderful. It says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in the book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name that you will have peace, wholeness of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, these last words of Jesus here speak directly to the people like you and me. Those of us who wonder why uh, doesn't God make himself clearly known to us today in ways that it would be easier for us to understand him and know him. Why don't we see any more of these grand miracles like we read about in Scripture? And wouldn't it be easier if God would speak to us in some type of way, maybe an audible way that we just knew without any doubt that he was real and existed in our lives? Well, the Scripture answers the question. It says, blessed, Jesus says, blessed are those of you that have not seen me, yet still believe, which that is the boat that all of us find ourselves in. Because miracles and wonders have never been enough for belief. Because there were thousands around Jesus who heard his teachings, witnessed his miracles, experienced him personally, but still chose not to believe. And Jesus wasn't upset with Thomas. He didn't call him Doubting Thomas. Because some of us, we need to go through the doubts before we are ready to accept, ready to believe. When doubt leads to questions, questions lead to answers, answers lead to belief, then doubt has done its work. When you doubt, don't stop there. Sometimes that's what happens to me, that a, a, a doubt enters my mind, and I, and I sometimes use that as an excuse just to kind of park my faith. I think what Jesus is inviting us to do, he's like, you have doubts? Just explore those doubts. Keep digging deeper into them. Follow your doubt and let them lead you into deeper faith. 
into the deep end, the deep waters of life. Here's my simple description of faith. No academic would quote this, but this is how I choose to understand faith. Faith is examining all the evidence in front of you and then choosing to believe in what you think makes the most sense. And there are multiple components to to faith. Your intellect, your emotions, and your experiences. These are three ingredients. There's probably other ingredients, but these are three ingredients that lead to faith being cultivated in our lives. Your intellect justifies your belief. Your emotions allow you to, to feel good and to develop convictions around those beliefs. And your experiences then confirm what it is you believe and what you build your paradigm of faith and life around. So faith then is your ability to act upon that which you have chosen to put your belief in. And so how do we cultivate this type of faith, this type of belief? How do we work through the doubts that we are experiencing? I would suggest this, test God with your doubts, that you just bring them completely, I would say humbly, but unapologetically before the, before the Lord and say, God, this is what I'm struggling. This is what, it doesn't quite add up or make sense to me. And just put it out there. Test God and see how God responds to you. Read, study, continue to explore, learn and grow. As I mentioned before, sometimes we allow our doubts to become an excuse for inactivity. But rather, when you have that doubt, whatever it might be, if you're like Thomas saying, I need some more proof, then go look for that proof. Become a detective of God, looking for the divine in different places, looking for where God might be and where God might exist in that space where you are struggling with belief. And talk to God. Talk to God and talk to other people. Create conversation. Dialogue with other people. Dialogue with God and saying, Lord, this is me. This is what I'm thinking. Wrestle with other people in your life and see where that leads as well. Because doubt is simply a natural part of the faith experience. And we should not feel bad about that. And I, and I mention that because there have been times in my life where I have not only had the doubt around something, but I have then felt bad or felt guilty as if somehow there is something wrong with my faith or wrong with me because I, I, I can't just seem to fully understand this, this attribute of God, whatever it might be, whatever that might be for you. I have an illustration that, that I hope works. It's down here. Ready? Had to pick. I could have picked any ball, but I had to choose a baseball. All right. See this? See this ball right there? Going to let everybody. This is a perfect game ball. This is an expensive one. All right. Let's say this, this baseball, this ball represents our understanding of God, however full or limited that understanding of God is. This is your understanding of God. Who here, raise your hand if you can see 100% of the surface area of this ball. Smart. 
Nobody should be raising their hand. No matter the size of this ball, big or small, you can never completely see 100% of the surface area, no matter what angle you take. There is always a portion of the ball that you must trust is there even when you cannot see it or understand it completely. Our faith and our experience of Christ is no different. We have been given a glimpse of the ball of faith, but we must accept that the ways of God can never be fully known and understood in this lifetime. This is what we refer to as the mystery of God. But know this, as we continue to grow in our faith, as we continue to work through whatever doubts that we might have, that our understanding and our experience of God, experiences of God, they too continue to grow. Something like this. Who can see 100% of the surface areas of this ball? Raise your hands. No, right? But want to know something that's interesting about the size of this ball compared to this baseball? You can see even less of the total surface area of the bigger ball. Which means as your faith grows and expands and is cultivated, that so too does the mystery of God. It will continue to grow proportionally with you and so that we should then basically understand that we will never wholly understand the full picture of God at least in this lifetime and so I want to close with this uh, a reading from one of my favorite uh, children's stories got a lot of stuff down here Uh, but this is the last one As we come to a close and we come and we receive communion, I want to read a short excerpt from the book Prince Caspian in in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Just a short passage highlighted in yellow. Don't freak out. Says this, and I'll just give one very key piece of information. Aslan is a lion, is a Christ figure. That's important if you don't know the story. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy. At last, the great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her, She gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Oslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are? I'm not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. And I believe that that is true for all of us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We're grateful for Billy and his testimony. But even more than that, we're grateful 
for Billy's mother, who imprinted upon him a life of faithful obedience. And so today, as we celebrate all moms, we, we celebrate the faithfulness of Billy's mom and their family. And Lord, as we uh, come before you, may we be honest with those areas of our life where we are struggling, where we might have doubts, where we might not see you at work. But Lord, would you continue to grow our faith? And Lord, would we be willing to embrace those mysteries that we just simply cannot understand? And would we trust that one day we would be with you and have the opportunity to ask you all of our questions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.